Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. So remember last week, guys, we talked about loneliness. Okay, and here's what we learned. We learned about loneliness, that loneliness in our lives, it really stems, the root cause is from not being able to connect with God, okay? We're not connecting with God. Now, listen, it seems that a lot of us have spent the majority of our time protecting our own hearts, and so, therefore, not letting us connect with God. Now, we try to, and we really want to, but somehow... Because of this protection, oh, no, okay, so, so you're not getting a good connection. You're not getting a good connection. Okay, now you're looking at me like, what are you talking about? Think about this. Let me illustrate it this way. So you all are vacuuming. Everybody know how to vacuum, okay? But for some reason, you're not getting any suction from your vacuum. It's not even coming on. What's the first thing you do? You know, well, I kick it. No, Joe, we don't kick it, okay? We just, you check the connection, yes. You check the connection. Because sometimes if you pull it enough, it comes out just a little bit where you're not getting any power. That's how a lot of people feel during this time. They're just not connected. And when they're not connected with God in a real and personal and intimate way, guys, then we tend to push people off. We tend to be like, and when we start not connecting with people on a personal level, like you might, you might have a lot of acquaintances, but very little friends that know you and love you. And here's where friends really come in. Here's where friends, friends, are friends who know you and love you anyway. Seriously. Acquaintances look at you and kind of judge you and go, oh, I don't want to hang out with you or whatever. And, and, and so this is exactly, this is how we are. So, it, so we learned, here, here's what we learned, guys. We learned that we, we crave a, a close personal connection with God. We crave that. That's in us. God created us in his image, the Imago Dei. He created us, and so we crave that, guys. We crave that. We simply, we don't know how to develop. Everybody say develop. We don't know how to develop it on a daily basis. And that's what's hard. We have to develop it, guys. So when we feel disconnected, we often lack intimacy with God, and this affects our daily lives with others. So that's what brings a lot about of loneliness. As a matter of fact, did you know that studies have proven the number one reason for loneliness, ready, is a close, a lack of a close personal relationship in life. You go, well, yeah, that's the definition. Hello. But that's what we talked about. We talked about how we need to get connected back to God. Connected. And I don't mean just going, yeah, I gotta, I gotta come back to God. No, I mean getting that, that intimacy to where when you read the word, it just illuminates. And when you study the Bible, you can feel his heart and you can feel the breath of God on you. That's what we need. We need to be connected with God. Well, today, so we just keep on encouraging, we're going to talk to you about depression. Depression. And, the song says it's the most wonderful time of the year, and I wonder why, why are we, why are we so depressed? Now, I need to give you a disclaimer, okay? Because I'm not talking about the chemical imbalance in a person's brain, which does cause major depression. That, that is legit, and that's a medical issue. I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm not a doctor, but what, what, what I am talking about, guys, is, is that, that 
that season, that feeling of hopelessness and, 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 and specifically coming into this season, I, I just know it's supposed to be happy. We're supposed to be excited. We're supposed to, oh, 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 and we're supposed to, like, like, we're supposed to be that guy on the Grinch who stole Christmas who was happy about everything, right? I mean, he's just excited about, and Christmas should be three times so many, but we're not. And we really, if we're honest, we say, man, I'm really kind of sad this time of year. I'm really depressed. And let me tell you what makes it harder. You ready? We're supposed to be believers. And you go, you go, I'm a believer and I'm depressed. That, th- those two things should mix. I should have hope in God, Eva. I should be excited. I should be happy. But I'm not. Not. Let me start off with some simple stats that I found. Depression seems more common in our day than, say, it was 40 years ago. It's more common. People struggle with it more. As a matter of fact, in 2017, there was a 4.5 increase overall of people being depressed. And statistically, in 2019, last year, it was reported that 3 million people suffer from depression. That's a lot of people. Now, here's what you do. Let's add a global pandemic to that. And we could see, while most people, including believers, are feeling depressed. But wait, 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 wait. We're supposed to be the happiest time of the year. And if we're honest, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I believe depression touches everyone, even God's people. Some form. One of my my greatest um, mentors I look to is Charles Spurgeon. And Spurgeon often struggled with depression. He had, in the, his day, 5,000 people waiting in line. And Charles Spurgeon, guys, would read his sermons like this. He wouldn't even look at the people. And he'd have 5,000 people. He, the Holy Spirit would fall. And he often struggled with depression. So it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Now, I often think, wouldn't it be nice as, as believers that we would never have a dark or sad day? That would be so cool. But as you know, studying through the Bible, we find many who also had dark times and suffered feelings of sadness and depression. I draw your attention in your memory real quick to John the Baptist. Think about John the Baptist. He's in prison for, for being righteous. For And I wonder if he felt those sad times. Well, it didn't end well for John the Baptist, according to the world. So I know, I know that there are some, some just some dark times. And I truly believe, guys, based upon my own experience in this area, that if we're going to have a victorious life in these last days, we have to learn how to deal with this, with depression. Okay? Now, it would be easy to go, hey, if you're feeling down, just talk yourself out of it. That doesn't work. That doesn't work, guys. Now, before we jump into our study about a fella who God, he just moved in a miraculous way. It was just incredible, only to find himself in the depths of despair. I thought it would be good to share my story with you just a little bit. See, many of you last week heard a couple of my Christmas stories Okay, uh, just very, well, again, it, it produced a lot of loneliness, 
But depression came to visit and well. And I don't know if you understand this, but depression and loneliness are they're twin cousins. They like to hang out together. Okay? And through the Christmas season, as long as I was preoccupied, as long as I had school, as long as I had sports, I'm okay. But as soon as those things took a break, I found myself going, oh my. Oh my. And, and I thought about that, right? And, and so depression has a way of coming in, setting up shop in our lives. And if we let it, listen, several life experiences had led me to develop what I call a cognitive, well, not what I call, but what they call a negative cognitive disorder around the season. Okay? Okay. You go, what is that? A negative cognitive disorder is like this. Okay? Uh, let me give you an example. Here's the quote. Oh, she's late. It's raining. She's hydroplaned. The car's upside down in a ditch. Anybody ever think that way? Those are negative, those are negative thoughts on, on a, in, on something that doesn't even really happen. See, these are prime. And I, I want you to get this, guys, because then all of a sudden you go, wait a minute. Okay. So you're sitting at home. Your wife's supposed to be home at six. It's now 630. You can't reach her. What do your thoughts go to? A lot of them are negative. A lot of them are like, okay, that's it. God, don't, God. Where is she? I don't understand. And so we, we, we have a negative cognitive disorder. Okay. And these are all prime examples. Basically, there, there, there are thought patterns, guys, in our lives. There are thought patterns that cause people to view reality inaccurate, usually negative. That's what they are. Where does the enemy attack? The enemy attacks with fiery darts to our thinking, how we think. And so what happens is that, oh, okay, so it's Christmas time. Oh, well, I'm not going to have enough money to buy kids the presents, or I'm not going to be able, oh, I don't like this time of year. It, it could even be rather related. If sometimes it's just cloudy and dark and everything, I can last about two days and then I am done. I need the sun. Anybody with me? Nobody with me. Okay, I get it. Anybody, yeah. We need the sun. It's called sad. Seasonal acquired disorder. I just need the sun. Now, there's people in in um, Seattle, and they don't like the sun. They actually feel sad when it's sunny because they grew up with the clouds and the overcast and the mist and everything. I need the sun. The other day, on early morning, I remember I was like, I went to the gym and it was cloudy and it seemed like, oh, it's all dreary. You know what I mean? By about midday, it turned sunny. And I, te- I called Nathan. I said, you know how different my disposition has changed from that day, from the sun to that? Day was the same. But because, Pastor, where are you going? Guys, listen, listen. It's how we speak to ourselves because, see, they're, they're habitual errors in our thinking. There are habitual errors in our thinking. When you experience this cognitive dis- distortion, the way you interpret events, usually it's negative biased. You understand? That's how we do. Okay? And because of my experiences in the past, my present was full of negative thoughts. Because my experience of the past, this is how I interpret them. This is how I saw it. This is how I filtered them. Guess what happened? My present, I'm bummed. I'm sad. Christmas is not a fun time. Oh. Well, how you doing, Ben? I just wish it was January. Let's just get going. 
Let's see. Every time, every time these holidays would come around, it would be those negative thoughts. Guys, and I started to think about this. And, and, uh, so what did it do? It led me to feeling depressed. That's what it did. Now, let me take it a step further. In an effort to be upfront, vulnerable, insecure with y'all, last year was a very hard year for me. And only a handful of people know that I was suffering from depression. And it was the weirdest thing. I mean, it was to me, it was the, I mean, it was just, it was, I, I couldn't put my finger on, I couldn't, well, Ben, you know the Bible. I know the Bible. I know the Bible. I know what God's word says. I know what he's done for me. I know all of these things. And man, I was, I was really bombed. So I started researching. I said, Lord, why, why am I so, what's, what is going on? What is happening? Well, there were several things, guys, that I felt that led to, that, that contributed to this in my life. Several things. You go, what's that? Well, if you're taking note, jot this down, because these are things that, that, that really cause depression. Stressed life events. That's the first thing. Stressed life events. You go, what do you mean? Well, it's, the, it's 2019. It's pastoring a church. More than that, it's trying to grow a church. But you need to understand, as a pastor, not only am I with you in the high highs, but I'm with you in the low lows. If you don't know how to filter those properly and give them unto the Lord, they can eventually weigh you down. You guys don't understand. I live and die with you every day. And not just one person, everyone. Everyone. And I know God called me to that. But that's... So you have you have church... You have pastoring. You have to be a good husband still. You want to be a good father. You want to navigate all the things that are going around you. And so, number two, jot this down. It's what we call learned helplessness. Learned helplessness. You know, what does that mean? It's when we feel powerless against the negative thoughts. We feel powerless and so what you'll have is somebody go, hey, man, just pray. Just pray. If you just pray, if you just read the Bible, if you just pray. I agree. But sometimes we have learned habits that we just, we feel powerless. We feel powerless. And the third one, guys, were the negative cognitive thoughts. It's the, it's taking, it's just taking all of that in. So you have, you have stressed life events. Do we have that this year? Ooh. Man, but let me ask you this: Are are we making those stressed stressful? Because we got to have the perfect Christmas, the perfect Christmas tree, the perfect gifts, all of that stuff. Are we doing that? What about these, these feelings of helplessness? I just I don't. Here's why. You ready? So 2019, man, I'm struggling. I am struggling. Struggling. Most of the people don't know that. Come up here. Amen. Let's preach the Bible. Amen. The only time, guys, the only time I felt normal is when I preached the Bible. On a Wednesday night, man, we'd have a great service, and I'm just, I could feel the anointing of the Spirit, but the moment I walked down out the door, it seemed like it just jumped me. 
back again, and I'd be, I'd be down. I'd be bummed. But what's wrong? I don't know. I don't know. Here's the reality. You ready? Here's the reality. I had a great church. I had a great church. I had loving friends. I had loving family. I had a great loving wife. My loves, my wife says, I love you, my daughters. I had awesome kids and I had a wonderful granddaughter. In reality, guys, I had everything. I was like, wow. But, but honestly, I was still lost in the dark and I didn't know why. Now, except, this is for me, okay? I want you to, I'm, I'm going to preach to me. Y'all can listen. Here's what I realized. I got my eyes off of what God wanted to do in my life. I got my eyes. This is me, okay? God was beginning to broaden my horizons and give me new paths. And Tamara, I wanted to stay on the old paths. I wanted, to, I wanted things the way they were. I don't want things to change. And so I took my eyes off the Lord and began to look at, hey, what's going on here all around? That really caused some major depression. I got my eyes off the Lord. I had to say goodbye some, to really good friends. I had, I, I mean, there were just, it was just so many feelings. But what they were doing, guys, is they were robbing me of the present. They were robbing me of the present. And uh, I'll never forget. We were at a niece's wedding in New Mexico. Beautiful October day. The wedding was beautiful. My family was there. It was nice. It was beautiful. You understand. Outside, mountain, I mean, anything. I remember sitting in my room and I was crying out to God. I remember looking and just going, God, I can't shake this. I can't shake this. What's going on with me? And I, I felt like I was on an airplane. Anybody ever feel this way? I felt like I was on an airplane headed straight down and the automatic pilot, the computer was saying, pull up, pull up. And I couldn't pull up. I couldn't. And I thought, everything was good, guys. Everything was good. Something changed. What, what happened? What happened? Now, I tell you this, guys. I tell you this. I share my story to encourage you, okay, to show you that even believers, even pastors can get sad and can be down and, and even walk in depression for a season. And I believe there are many people who have misunderstood this whole season, okay, based on past experiences. Now, like like for me, Little best Christmases in the world, I thought. I thought. And then it got, then it got all turned away. But I thought about sharing this so you guys would know, and I want to encourage you. I don't want you to go, well, He's the pastor. If it hack him to him, it's going to happen. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we all go through this. And um, let's just talk a little bit about it. Let's talk a little. See what the Word of God says. Okay? So today, I want to talk to you about depression. About a depressed person in the Bible named Elijah 
who was like a superhero of the Old Testament. This is Elijah. Okay? And Elijah lived during a, the days of a wicked king Ahab and you know Queen Jezebel. And she's the one who introduced Israel into Baal worship. Now, again, here's what you're going to do. Your brains are so smart, you're going to connect the two. You're going to go, wait a minute, that was, that was, you know, wicked government. And, whoa, what's going on? Well, let me, let me set the stage because I want you to see. In 1 Kings chapter 18, you may or may not know the story, but this is an incredible story of Elijah at Mount Carmel. Do you remember Mount Carmel? Wasn't that the coolest thing? And so this is, this is where it really happened. You go, what happened? Well, he assembled all of Israel on the mountain. Now, if you go to Israel today, you can actually look down into the valley of Megiddo, the valley of Armageddon, where we're going to see in Revelation. But this is where he assembled them, right there. This is, this is Elijah, right? And he accused them of spiritual idolatry. You guys are wavering between Baal and God. He says this, and they couldn't decide whether they should worship the one true God or to worship Baal. So what does Elijah do? Elijah challenges, guys, the prophets of Baal, 450 of them, to what we call a theological throwdown, if you will. I mean, they're getting ready to, they're really going to hammer this out. Okay, and so Elijah says, I call on my God. He says, you call on Baal, and let's see which one answers fire from heaven. The one that does will be the God of Israel. So they build two altars. says, okay, and you call it, whoever just consumes this, he's God. We'll worship him. Amen? Sounds like a good plan. Let's go. So you had 450. They're like, yeah, we got this, right? So they set up their altar, and they began crying to their God. God, they're, they're praying to Baal. Nothing happens. No fire falls. As a matter of fact, after a while, Elijah kind of gets in the flesh a little bit. He's like, hey, maybe you need to yell a little bit louder. Maybe your God Baal's on vacation. Maybe he's in the potty. That's what he says. That's what he says. Still No fire falls. Guess what happened? In a final appeal, the prophets of Baal began to cut themselves in an effort to try to get their God to do something. And Elijah says, I've had enough. Let's let's, let's go this way. And what does he do? Do you guys remember? Man, he says, before we call on God, let's wet the altar. Let's saturate it. Let's pour water on it. And he says, God! And man, boom, guys, guess what happened? A simple prayer, and God Almighty sends fire to consume the sacrifice, the altar, and even the water. What? Think about it, guys. Think, put yourself in Elijah's hand. Whoa! God, he just, this just blew my mind. You have all, now, now, what Elijah does is he takes the sword and he kills all the, all the prophets. He's like, get your dunch. 450, but think about this. Think about this. He asked, he prayed, and God did something miraculously. Don't you think he would be um, walking on sunshine? Don't you think he'd be like, are you kidding me? My God rocks! And he'd be posting it on Facebook and Instagram and all over. He'd be like, are you kidding me? You should have seen this. This was, And, and everybody would have been amen, and he would have got like a thousand likes. You know what I'm talking about? And that's what it should be. But that's not what happened. 
And it makes me believe, guys, that there are some times, man, I'm in a high on the mountaintop and I see God move and I see God move in your lives and I, and I praise God and I see people get saved and I'm like, yes, come on. Thank you, Jesus. And I can move in the very next week into... What's the matter? Oh, just, I don't know. And, and that's kind of what happens. Now, normally what we do at Calvary, guys, is we dissect every verse. But I'm not going to do that with you. I'm going to tell you the story and pull out some stuff, okay? But if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to do, here's what I want you to do. I want you to notice with me four things Elijah struggled with. Four things. And I think it's the same thing that a lot of us do, Okay? Now, if you're here today and you're like, man, I never get depressed. I'm like, amen. That's awesome. But I know that a lot of us struggle with being sad and, and those sort of things. Amen? So let's, let's, let's look at four things Elijah's going to struggle with. Number one, jot this down, fear. Fear. It seems commonplace, but it is. It's fear. He's afraid. God just moved mightily in his life, Emil, and he's still afraid. That's the first thing he struggles. Number two, he really struggles with negative thoughts. He's gonna, I'm gonna show you. He struggles with negative thoughts. Number three, jot this down. He is emotionally drained. Emotionally drained. Kind of keep that in mind because I want you to check your emotions, guys, in the same way like you, like you put money in a bank account, okay? When you keep putting money in a bank account, you have enough. You have, you have stability. You have, but when you, Start taking money out emotionally and taking out and you go bankrupt. You don't have anything to give. He's emotionally drained. And I think that happens to us. And last but not least, we're going to see that he actually feels powerless in life. Powerless. Failures. He's going to feel like he was really. So those things again, guys, fear, negative thoughts, emotionally drained and powerless slash failures. Okay, very, very important. Picking up our story, guys, in 1 Kings 19, verses 1 through 4, it says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. I just told you the story, right? So guess what? Ahab goes home, Honey, honey, you don't understand. Look what happened. He made me look like a fool. How, also how he executed all the, I killed all the, I killed all my, my guys. Notice what Jezebel does, verse 2. And Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, quote, So let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. You know what she did? She just put a hit on him. You got 24 hours, Holmes. You're done. That's what she's saying. She's saying... And when, and, and when he saw that, okay, so he got the text, he got the letter, he got the email, whatever it is, he got the phone call. When he saw that, guess what he did? No, 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 wait. This is Elijah. Here's Elijah. He is a hero of the faith. Here's Elijah. Elijah just saw God move in an incredible way. And if you do a backstory, you realize that it hadn't rained in Israel for three years, and Elijah says it's going to rain. Look at that cloud, look at that crowd, and he says, and, and so it rains. So, so Elijah's connected with God. But now he gets a message. He gets a message. He gets a message and it's like, what? 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 Can you imagine? Hello, this is Elijah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wait, what? You want to kill me? This is the evil queen Jezebel? What would you do? 
You would think, listen, y'all looking at me like this, but you would think we would stand up and be like, mm, lady, you got the wrong number, man. You got, listen, you're not going to live until tomorrow. You know, I mean, but he doesn't. Why? Because here's what I love, guys. He's human like us. And I can totally relate because when he saw it, he arose and he ran for his life. He just faced 450 dudes on Mount Carmel. And this lady gives him a phone call, and he's like, ah, I'm out of here. And he bolts. Ever feel that way? I sure do at times. I sure do at times. But he himself, look at verse 4. He went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and he sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed. What did he pray, guys? That he might die. And he said, it is enough. (laughs) Now, Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my father's. Man, can we relate with Elijah or what? Wow. Wow. God just showed himself mighty. You guys ever have a mighty where God showed himself mighty on your behalf? You ever where he showed up in a big way and you go, that's God. That's God. That's God. Amen. Amen. That's God. Can I let you in a little secret? This happened to me this past week. This, this really did. It happened to me on Friday night. I tend to worry about a lot of stuff, and so I'm like, okay, God, I don't... I almost... I hate to admit it, but it's almost like I say, God, I don't know if I... I don't know if I believe you or not. I, I, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, man, I get an email, and God showed up in an amazing way, and I just start laughing. I'm like, look, honey, look. Here I was worried about this, and, and God... Ever happened to anybody? Ever? When am I going to learn to just trust? This is where a lot of my, this is where a lot of my sadness comes in. This is where a lot of the struggle comes in is that I, I think I should be doing the right, um, this is my path. And God's like, no, get in my path. It's going to be best for you. No, no, God, that's not how I see it. Okay, you guys keep looking at me like I'm saying stuff. Here's the thing. How many of us have ever given God advice? Yeah, there you go. So I'm not the only one. Like God's like, would you run this lane? And God, listen, that lane, Lord, that's just, I don't think that's the right lane for me. Lord, if you'll just do what I say, because here's how I see it, and Lord's like. And we try to give God advice on how to run the universe. And so he sits under a thing, guys, and he's like, Phew. but he's, he's hiding under a broom tree. And he's praying the same prayer that I know a lot of us pray, God, I'm done. Now, we might not say, I'm, I'm, I want to die, but here's what, say, here's what I say. I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go home. <sighs> guys, he came to a to a lone broom brush, collapsed in the shade, and he's basically wanting the worst day to be done with, just to die. Look at what he says. It is enough. God, take my life. I'm ready to come home. Here's point number one, guys. Do you see fear? You go, no, I don't. Notice verse three. When he saw that, when he got the letter, when he got the email, whatever it was, when he, he arose and he ran for his life, guys, and he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, And he left his servant there. Listen, fear, fear, fear is almost always a factor in depression. Many times, like Elijah, we become afraid of what? There's a lot of things. We become afraid of failing. 
We're, we're afraid of loneliness. We're afraid that things aren't happening the way we hoped for. How many of you know what idealism is? You have ideals. At a certain age, you think, this is what I should be. And when we have unrealistic ideals, then that, that really super bums me out. How so? We've been pastoring this church. I've been here. We've been in, in Lubbock, Texas, 17 years. 17 years. When I landed here 17 years ago, guys, I had a vision of what this church looked like, and it didn't look anything like this. You understand? Hey, Calvary Chapel. We're here at Calvary. You know Calvary, right? Calvary Chapel, yeah. We're going to put up the dove, and we'll have two, three, four hundred people in a matter of months. No problem. This is exciting, right? After two months, uno, dos. Uno, dos, tres. That's, I mean, it was slow, and I'm like, God, wait, whoa, whoa, time, hold, time out, God. Time, and the, these, these were the ideals that I had, and that's what wasn't happening. This is what causes a lot of pastors to give up and to be done. They think, well, Lord, this is not what I thought. I'm out. I'm out. But guys, I knew the Lord called me here. I knew because I can't go anywhere. I can't. Well, Ben, look at Calvary Chapel today. We just got a handful. That's okay. I still know that I'm here for a reason. I just know. You understand that it's in here. I don't love, I don't love any other guys but you. It's like, it's like, and so, and so guys, we, we, we suffer with depression when things that are not the way we hope for, unrealistic ideals. Well, I hope by the time I was 50, I'd have this, or by the time I'm 70, we should be, maybe God has a different plan. You see, when you became a Christian, you said, I give my life to you, Lord, to do what you will. And God says, if that's the case, I'm going to take you a different path, and we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay for moving from Nevada all the way to Texas when you never thought that would ever be. I mean, we have to be okay because God's got a different plan. God's got a different road. We have to be okay. We have to be okay plowing, Joe, for 17 years. Plowing. We have to be okay if we're never a mega church or even a minor mega church or even a minor church. We have to be okay. That's hard to do. Come on. That's hard to do because we have ideals. We have, this is how we want it done. This is, this is what it done. Now, here's a man of God in fear for his life from Jezebel. Why? What, what caused the fear? Mel, what caused the fear? Two factors play out here. You go, what's that? Stressful life events. Stressful life events. Now, there are times we can't avoid stressful life. Can I get an amen? amen? We can't. They're just part of You're just like, oh. But there are a lot of times that stressful life we just Well, we know that this happens because it happened to it happened to Elijah. It was a stressful life event. God's going to rid Israel of all the apostasy. This is so cool. 
Pring. This is Jezebel. I'm going to kill you, and I've got people that are going to kill you. You're done. What? I thought that was stressful. Number two, he learned, what did he learn? Helplessness. He learned helplessness. Something triggered in Elijah where he started thinking negative to cause him to run instead of going, wait a minute. No, no, no. My God just proved himself so real. I'm going to stand upon the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, right? That's what he should have stated, but he, but he didn't. He, he has this. Well, where does that come from? Well, let's, let's see. Point number two, guys, negative thinking, negative thinking. Look at verse four. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and he sat down under the broom tree. Here's where it gets negative. And he prayed. What kind of prayer do you think he prayed, guys? And he prayed, what? That he might not die, or that he might die, sorry. And he said, it's enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father. Guys, do you see the negative thinking in there? Do you see the negative thinking? Ooh, this speaks to me. Boy, I hope it's helping some of you. Because, guys, for some reason, the current event in Elijah's life has caused him to to begin to think negative. Why? Because a negative cognitive disorder, Elijah is struggling with this. He did think he was going to rid, rid the nation of apostasy, only to find out that Jezebel wanted him dead. Wait, 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 what? What? Guys, jump over to verse 10 with me real quick. I want to show you something, okay? Notice what Elijah is saying. Verse 10 says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Guys, do you see how I, do you know how I know his negative thinking? Look what he's saying. God, I was, come on, let's, let's just bring it home. You guys with me? God, I'm serving you. I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm serving you. And I'm praying to you, and, and, and I'm doing all the, but look, and then we start naming off. I mean, think about Jesus, man. Think about our Savior. I think about Jesus and Judas, right? Because Judas was one of his best friends. He loved Judas. And Judas betrayed him. And that broke my Lord's heart. You see, God, Jesus loves us with the purest of love. And he loves you too. And it's hard when, when he sees us walk away from him because it breaks his heart. Listen, God's love for us isn't, I want to get all of these on my team, nanny, nanny, boo-boo. He says, the purest of love is, you mean to me to me. You, I love you. Okay, you guys put your thinking caps on for just a second. I want you to think, if you've ever seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, think about the beating that Jesus took. Think about, you're in the theater and you're just crying. You're seeing, I mean, he's whipped. He's just, there's, it's shredded. Think about after that, that they make him take his cross up to Golgotha and they nail him to a cross. If that's not love, I don't know what is. Oftentimes we go, oh, I love you, and we'll make a little heart. Guys, the heart isn't love. The cross is love. The cross is love. And he did that for you. And that's why, you know, when my God did all of that, and people go, well, God's mad at you because you didn't do this or you didn't know. God's not mad at us, guys. He loves us. Benny Hester used to sing a song when God ran back in the day. 
And, and it was like, you know, only time I ever see God run is when he ran to me, opened up his arms and took me, right? The only time we ever see God run is when he's running for his kids. Church, listen, we're living in the last days. And we got to go out victorious. We need to finish well. Let me just say this to you, okay? The enemy is going to come hard against you. He is. When he knows his time is short, he doesn't want you to finish well. He doesn't want you to. He wants you to finish depressed and lonely and sad and bummed. And so we see that Nate, that, that back in our text, I'm sorry, if I don't keep going, we'll be here all day. You know, basically he's saying, I'm, I'm, listen, Lord, I took a covenant, tore down your altars, and you're probably, he goes, I am lonely. He says, I'm the only Christian. I'm the only one. This is what he's saying. Now, we're going to come back to this in a moment, but for right now, guys, his thoughts are turning negative. And you ready? Jot this down. His eyes are off God for the moment. His eyes are off God for the moment. Okay? Now, I'm going to give you a quote because I think this is, this is what was happening in my heart. You ready? This is the application. Depression happens when we filter life's events through human lenses in human understanding. Healing comes when we take those same events and filter them through godly lenses. Y'all got that? I get depressed when I filter all of my events through my own understanding and my own eyes. What are the questions? Help me out, church. Why? That's something. Why? Why am I going through this? God, why did I do this? Why am I here? What is this about? You should just take me. Just take me. I'm done. But when I filter them through my understanding of God, okay, God, these are the same events. These are the same events. Okay? A lot of that happens. A lot of that happens. Guys, early on, early on, before Nathalie, your pastor had a girlfriend. Your pastor had a fiancé before Nathalie. <gasps> does she know this? She does. You were going to marry somebody else? I thought. And then you know what she did? She broke my heart. I don't want to see you anymore. We're done. Blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. Right? We, we just get so, we're thinking, what is going on? God, I thought this is how you wanted me to go down, but here's what I see. Stepping back just a little bit of ways, I see, no, 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 this is what God was saying. Listen, if you filter that through your own understanding, your own eyes, you're going to be depressed. You're not going to see things. But if you take a step back and filter them, then I'm changing your direction, and I'm going to bring you a wife who's better suited for you, who loves God, who loves the ministry, who's going to encourage you. I didn't see it at the time, but now you go, oh, wow, wow. I know it hurt at the time, guys, I know. But when I step back and I filter those things through godly lenses, I'm going, God, you are so good to me. You're so good to me. I would not be standing here today if God didn't intervene. And, and, and again, remember, a lot of our sadness and depression happens when we filter life's events through human lenses. But listen, Romans 8.28, who knows that verse? Romans 8.28, all things work together, work together for the good, right? To those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Okay? So even if you go, man, 
God will say, no, 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 it's not man. I've got you. I've got you. Well, Ben, 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 I, I, I still got a question. Why is Elijah still depressed? Number three, drop this down. He's emotionally drained. He's emotionally drained. Look at verse five. It says this. Then as he lay and slept under the broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. So what happens? He just, he's just, he's had this incredible mountaintop experience. The Lord showed up in a big way. God, you were amazing. Fire came down and consumed that. I know you are God. He finds himself, but guess what happens? He's asleep. He's tired. He's emotionally drained. He's emotionally drained, right? He's physically exhausted. Even when we have the greatest spiritual growth we've ever had, you need to remember to rest. You need to remember rest during this. There's times when we need to refocus. We have to rest. And again, think about this. Sometimes depression is related or reflected in our physical condition. Check out your own walks for a minute. Check out your own walks for a minute. When do you get attacked the, the, the most? When do you get attacked the most? Do, 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 do. When you're physically tired. When you're emotionally drained. The enemy knows that. The enemy knows that. Listen, this is the first day of the week. We start off with Bible study. It's amazing. We go through Monday. We go through Tuesday. Bible study on Wednesday night. You know when the enemy tries to attack me? Thursday and Friday. We're tired. We're emotionally drained, and I know that. And, and, and I want you to think about that, guys. I mean, this is, this is like... You need to rest. I can't rest. It's the holiday season. You don't understand. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I got to get the tree up. I got to get lights up. I got to do this. And I get it. That's how we, that's how we roll. I've got to work. I've got to do this. I got to buy presents. We got to go shopping. No, we need to rest. We need to refocus. This is what he's saying. The fourth point is that Elijah felt powerless. In verse 10 again, it says, Elijah said, I am the only one left here, and they're out to get me. He feels alone, helpless, and has negative expectation about the future. Elijah is paranoid because he thinks everybody's out to get him. You go, well, Ben, what was happening? Elijah was looking through, looking at life through dark-colored glasses, and he saw no way out. How many of us throw up our hands and go, well, this is my life? How you doing? I'm okay. Yeah, I guess this, you know. Well, what's the matter? Well, I really saw my life a totally different way. I saw, I saw great ideals. I got great expectations. And, and he felt powerless against these negative events. So what do we notice? You know what I noticed? In Elijah, it's internal. It's inside. Why? Because he goes, he goes, I'm the only one left. And they're seeking to kill me. I'm the only one left. It's internal. It's internal. Do you guys remember David last week? David, man, he was thinking negative thoughts too. He had to start speaking the right way. It wouldn't hurt for us to do a comprehensive study of who we are in Christ. Because that's what we really need to speak to us, man. I'm saved. I'm victorious. 
man, God is with me. I'm humble. This is who I am. The devil comes up and goes, hey, Mel, you're a mess up. You're this, you're that, you're that. You go, amen, but I'm not even going to entertain that. This is who I am. And And that's exactly what it is. He felt powerless. But it's also stable. It's not only internal, but it's stable. Why? Because he kept thinking the same thoughts. Jezebel's going to get me. Jezebel's going to get me. Jezebel's going to get me. Now, let's talk about thinking for just a moment, okay? In our thinking, guys, in our thinking, there are times when we will emotionally stress out because of we've already prepared an outcome of a certain event, okay? We already have, and we stress out. There was a pastor who was counseling a young couple, and the man, after the counseling, went home, got drunk. He said, I don't like what the pastor said. I'm going to kill him. Calls him up, right? I'm going to get you. Right, middle of the night. He's thinking, I just counseled him. This guy's nuts. Hangs up the phone, goes to the door, gets his bat, baseball bat. He waits. About 30 minutes later, that man comes in, and he takes the baseball bat, and he beats the man to death. And it's calls the cops, and it's the whole thing, and it's up all night, and he's mostly drained. And he's going, wow. Only to say, all of that happened in his head. The man called up, threatened him, never came over. Nothing ever happened of it. You guys understand the thing. How many times do we filter life's events and we've already come up and then we're so relieved when it's not even the thing? Hey, Tamri, I've got to talk to you. There's something important. Oh, what is it? And she can go through a million scenarios in her mind. My grandbabies, da, 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 my husband. And then she gets home and go, oh, by the way, da, 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 da. And she's just like, you couldn't tell me that over the phone? You know, you, I mean, that's how we are. But, but think about it, guys. How many scenarios? So we've got to, we've got to, We've got, to, we've got to capture every thought and take it unto the Lord. We have, to, we have to monitor our thinking. And it's also, not only is it internal, but it's stable, but it's also global. What do you mean? Think about what he said. He said, everyone in the world wants to kill me. That's what he told himself. Everybody in the world. Right? Eeyore. Everybody hates me. Nobody loves me. Do you remember that song? Everybody, everybody hates me. Nobody loves me. I guess I'll just go eat worms or something like that. That's how he's doing right here. It's global, but but think about it. Isn't that what we say? Well, let me read. Let me just read how God saw the situation. Look at verse 11. And he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks to pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind... Then the earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, guess what? There was a still small voice. And so it was when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and sat at the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord of hosts. And he goes and tells him, I'm alone, right? So he's freaking out. But jump over to verse 18, guys. Here's what God says. He says, no. I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Do you guys see that? Verse 18. 
I'm alone. There's nobody with me. God's like, no, you don't understand. There's people with you. 7,000 have not bowed the knee. And I wonder, church, let me be honest. Have you ever felt like Elijah? Perhaps you're feeling like him right now. Maybe today you've come here and you're afraid, alone, exhausted, burned out, and hopeless. So I've got to give you some things that we need to do so that you can enjoy the season. So you can get the right thinking. You go, what is it? Jot this down. Number one, get the right perspective. Get the right perspective. You go, what do you mean? Find your juniper tree. Find your juniper tree. Filter all those thoughts through his eyes, his plan, and his love. Guys, get everything in perspective. Put on the right glasses. God, what are you doing in my life? What am I supposed to learn? How am I supposed to go down? Okay, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. Right perspective. Number two, you ready? Jot this down. Get some rest. Get some rest. Elijah rested and ate. We seem to move from one thing to another to another, and yet, even in a time of COVID, let us take advantage of this time and rest and relax and refocus. I say that sincerely. Take an afternoon and rest. Just rest. Do what you do. Enjoy what you do. Pastor, I would just love to sit with a cup of coffee and a good book. Do it. I should be reading the Bible. Just rest. Let your body get refocused. Okay. All right. All right. Number three, you ready? Let it out. What do you mean? Guys, don't be afraid to share that you're bumming. Why? Because God, listen to what God did. God asked Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? Why? To give him an opportunity to talk it out, to vent his frustrations. Hopefully you have one friend that you can just vent. They're not judging you. They're not anything. They're just listening. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't believe that's my boss. How do you feel? Good. Okay, thanks. Boom. But be careful who you vent to. Be careful. Because a lot of it is sometimes it's just frustration, isn't it, Alex? It's just frustration. It doesn't mean anything. Let me, let, me, let me, guys, ladies, help me out here. Ladies, guys, when your wife, Emil, when your wife comes to you and she says, da 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 you don't want really to do anything? No. Sometimes they just need to. I had a bad day. My boss is this. Blah, 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 blah. And we just need a vent. We just need a vent. My mother-in-law, bless her heart, hopefully she's listening to this. She says, I like to air out. I like that. I like to air out. Just, and then we feel better. It doesn't make us bad people because sometimes we go, hey, hey, Amanda, what are you doing here? I can't believe it. Okay, I'm better. Eva, am I, is that truth? This, this, this is what God does. Hey, how, how's it going? How are you doing? You doing okay? Listen, if you got a really good friend, Joe, you got a really good friend, someone you trust, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. No, no, really, how are you doing? How are you doing in these holidays? How are you doing? 
Number four. You ready? <sighs> Let's go back. Get the right perspective. Make, get some rest. Let it out. Number four. Make the most of each moment. Make the most of each moment. Remember, life changes. It changes. And in reality, you may look back and see that this was really one of the best times of your life. So before you get bummed, because we miss the moment, make the most of each moment. Let me explain. Every year I expected my holiday, my Christmas to be the way it was, and, and because it was robbing me, I never made new memories. I never made new memories. Every year, like, okay, so, so like at my house, if you, if you went to my house, we always had a four-foot tree on a pedestal in the corner. That's how we did it for years upon years upon years upon years, okay? Nathalie, when are you going to put the tree up? Oh, I don't know, probably this weekend. Come Christmas Day, when are we going to take the tree down, you know? But this year, it's new memories, it's new memories. And I drive up to my house, and I see lights on the window, and I see, and Nathalie does all that, and I'm going, wow, that's cool. That's cool. My daughter and her husband are new traditions. It's okay. It's okay. I don't want to be robbed. Don't be robbed because you keep doing that. Number five. Don't fear change. Don't fear change. Life changes all the time. Personal changes, guys, local changes, and of course, global changes. Don't fear change. For the first several months of the pandemic, I thought, how am I going to navigate through the church? I mean, I'm ready for all of you to come back, and let's get back to normal. Everybody's normal. Let's get back to normal. And then I realized that we're not going back to normal. It's changed. So I can sit here bummed going, God, I remember when, when we took it for granted. I'm so sorry. Or we could go, listen, right now, how do we navigate this church, you guys, moving forward? How do we do it? How do we do it? How do we get the word out in a brand new world? That's how we got to think. That's how we got to think. Okay, it's different. What's changed? And so I need all your help. Well, how do we get the word out? How do we reach people? So don't be afraid of change. Things change. Now, in closing, in closing, I understand not everybody's happy and excited as we come to the end of the year because a lot of us, tragedy has happened. We've had, we've had people we loved go home to be with Jesus. Things aren't going to be the same. I get it. But let me leave you with this, okay? When you're feeling discouraged, when you feel bummed this time of year, always remember, you ready? Don't withdraw, don't isolate. That's our first tendency. Surround yourself with people who care about you. And I understand this is a little tougher this year with COVID, but we got to have that. You go, what do you mean? Well, let's utilize what we have. Let's, let's utilize the phone. Let's start calling people. Hey. Let's, let's text. 
Guys, let's even take a walk outside with others. Hey, meet me at the park. Let's just walk around. Let's just talk. Don't isolate, because this is what happens. We tend just to isolate. We tend to shut down. I'm not going to say anything. But that's not what God wants for us. Number two, you ready? And this is, this is commonplace. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Renew your faith. What should I do? Spend time worshiping. Spend time worshiping. You guys know when those feelings come in, when those feelings come in, go, go and get alone with God and just, and just spend time with him. Reading his word. Now remember, guys, remember, reading his word is not, it's, it, it's, it, you're having a dialogue back and forth with God. You're not just reading it and going, oh, okay, I read the word. I don't feel any different. Because a lot of people don't feel different that way. They, they still struggle. But what we do is we go, okay, God, it's a word. Okay, God, I'm praying. Let's spend some time with you. And guys, this is not, this is not, hey, do this in three quick steps. You'll be better. This is, remember, don't isolate. You're part of the family. And number two, keep your eyes on Jesus. Number three, don't get down on what was. Renew your heart with new memories. Don't get down on what was. That, that's the past. Guys, you don't have to throw out old memories. But God is calling you to remain in the moment. Stay in the moment. Stay in the moment. All you have, church, listen to me. All you have is today. Make it count. Make it count. That's all we got. Love, laugh, live. Father, we thank you today for your word and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love for us, God. And Lord, I do pray for everyone that just feels down and out today, that feels stressed because of the... because of the holiday season. I pray for everyone that... Lord, I even pray for those with, with a chemical imbalance, God, that they're trying to navigate through medicine. Lord, I pray for them. Lord, I understand depression is a real thing. I don't make light of it. But I'm asking you, Jesus, to do a work in our lives, God, to help us to recognize some of the things that we've been telling ourselves. And I pray that this little teaching could reach some folks, God, to, to help them through the holiday season. I would also ask, God, that you would just um, protect me from the fiery darts of the enemy in my mind. With every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. And what I mean by that is you don't have a real relationship with him. You haven't connected in the way you really want to connect. But but today, God is knocking on your heart and he wants to give you an opportunity to come home. So I want to give you an opportunity to, I want to invite you to the family of God. Well, what do I have to do, Pastor? Well, listen, if God's really stirring your heart, then I want you to just lift up your hand in a moment. In a moment, just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I'm gonna connect. I want to connect with God. I want to be saved. I, want to, I, I don't just want to be saved. I want to serve him. I want to love him. I know time is short. I see the writing on the wall. I want that. 
Those of you watching online, those of you listening via podcast, you could do the same thing. But for right now, if you're here today with every eye closed, every head bowed, would you just lift up your hand if God is speaking to you and you say, Pastor, pray for me. I want Jesus. I want to be saved. I want him to come into my heart. I want to, I want to follow him. Would you just lift your hand right now? If God is speaking to you, God bless you, sister. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just right now, in the quietness of, of your heart, just lift up your hand. Those of you watching online, all you do is pray this prayer. Pray a simple prayer. Mean it and say, Lord Jesus, I know you're coming back soon. I acknowledge, God, I confess I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. You're my Savior. I believe that, God, that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I believe, I believe, I believe in three days he rose again. And I know he's coming back. But I need help, Lord, in this life. I need to navigate this. So I'm asking you to come into my heart. Be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior, and be my friend. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.